Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Pastor George asked me to share about the trip we just had to Oklahoma. And I want to share with you what was really on my heart from that trip. We saw a lot of miracles. We saw someone get out of a wheelchair. We saw many people touched for the Lord. We saw big crowds come to different things. But that wasn't the thing that I saw in Oklahoma that really impacted me the most. It was the lack of love that I saw in the church. And I'm, that's not an indictment particularly on Oklahoma or any particular place. But there was so much criticism, so, so much backbiting, so much tearing down churches. And this one says, don't go to that church and don't talk to this person. And they would send spies into different services. So they say, we got to check it out and then bring back evil reports. See, you could be doing all that. And that totally takes away from all the worship and all the power of God and the glory coming down. That was the thing that, that I most felt over there. And I just want to read this scripture right now. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. See, we can't have the miracles, we can't have the glory of God... We can't have the presence of God unless we're doing the basics, the most important thing. And what's the most important thing? First John chapter 4, verse 19. It says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we can't see? In other words, you can come here and worship and say, Hallelujah, I love you, brother. We could do the two-hug minimum. I hug everyone on Sunday morning, and then I go out and wound people. I gossip against people. I have no problem hurting people, abusing people. Families have no problem tearing each other apart. And what does it say? If you say you're a Christian, but yet... You hate your brothers and sisters, or you misuse them, you mistreat them, you abuse them, then you're a liar. You can't say you're a Christian and you hate your brother and sister in the Lord. It tells us right there, don't say that you love God and I don't care how good you sing. I don't care how you love to stand in the glory and the presence. I saw that many times in Oklahoma. People would just start running around the sanctuary and getting all excited, full of the joy of the Lord. And people know the word there. If there's any place I've ever been where they know the word of God, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where people have memorized and they can preach at you. But yet there were so many people who did all that. And I could say, because the Bible says you'll know a Christian by their fruits, I can say that they can't love God. 
You can't love God and tear someone else apart. See, the things of God, the heart of God is totally the opposite of the world. The world loves to tear people up. Just put on the TV, and all you see is they keep showing pictures of Britney Spears making fun of her. She's too fat. She's too dumb. She, she, she acts up. And maybe a lot of that is true, but that's not the issue. The issue is that this society loves to tear people. You know, there's a difference between a surgeon and Jack the Ripper. Maybe some of you never heard of Jack the Ripper, but way, way back, way back, even before Larry was born, this is way back, there was a guy in England named Jack the Ripper, and he used to take a knife, and all he liked to do is cut people up just so he could look inside, just tear them up. And that's what we do with our mouths when we speak against people, when we gossip against them, when we wound them. Or when we take the details of somebody's life, we take a knife and we cut them open just as we want to see. And we'll sit and we'll gossip about things. Oh, this person did this. And oh, look at this. And oh, they're no good. And we, we tear them open. See, there's a difference between that and a surgeon. Those in the body of Christ who may look and examine someone's life together with them for the purpose of trying to restore them, trying to love them. See, everything we do, it has to be based on love. Everything. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could take all the money that you have, empty your bank account, take all that money, give it to the poor, put it all into the building program, Get, go up to Pastor George say, here's all the money I got, and if you don't love, and not only love God, but if you don't love other people, then you did it for nothing. It tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could even die for God. You could go and be burned at the stake, be thrown into the fire, be shot as a Christian, and if you didn't have love on your heart, it says you wasted your time. Because everything that we do, your motivation of your heart has to be love. It has to be compassion for other people. In um, John chapter 17, verse 23, this was Jesus speaking. And he's, he's talking about the church. And he said, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In other words, how will the world know that you're a Christian? How will people know that this is really a church? Because everywhere, all over the city right now, there's, in every street corner, there's places with a sign, we're a church. Come on in and worship with us. How will anyone tell the difference and know this is a real church? This is the place I want to go to. And how will they know? Jesus said, they'll see the love you have one for another. And love isn't only about talk. I, I was a teacher for many years. And, I'll never, and I worked with many kids who were really abused, sexually abused, abandoned, really hurt. 
And you know what, a psychologist came up and said, well, maybe the parents did that, but they really loved their children. Maybe somewhere deep inside they do, but what good is it? What good is love if it's all about talk? And you know how Christians do it. Let me, let me tell you how Christians talk about each other. They'll say, oh, I just love him. He's my brother. I would go anywhere with him, but, but, but he's so this, he's so that. Oh, I love her like a sister. Oh, she's a great sister, but, and then we start tearing each other up. Everything else is worthless then. All the worship, all the word. Going to church, it's all for nothing because we're a liar if we say we love God and we don't love our brother. And again, love is not an emotion. Don't confuse love with a feeling. The feeling it can be an expression of it. But love is a commitment that you have towards other people. It, it comes deeper than just an emotion. It means even if this is Christian love, and some of you might not like this, but Christian love is, I love you even though you hurt me. Even though you just messed me up. You just spoke bad about me. It means I still love you because I got the love of God in me. See, Jesus hung on the cross, and people were spitting at him. They were mocking him. They took a spear, and they put it into his side. They wounded him. They hurt him. They made fun of him, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the middle of all the torment and all the torture and abuse, he refused to hate. But yet, I deal with people in churches for years as a pastor, and people tell me, oh, I'm not coming to your thing because so-and-so is going to be there. That's not love. That's not what God has called us to do. Love is more than, than anything that you've seen on TV. That, that's worldly love. You know what worldly love is? I love you to the extent that you, you, you're good to me. Even the people in prison. I know I, I was in prison when I was younger. Just for one day. But <laughs> I was showing off anyway. But, but I was in prison and even the people in prison love each other. When they see their friends, they come to each other, murderers, everything else. When they see their friends, oh, how you doing? Even the drug dealers on the corners, watch them. When they meet each other, they hug each other. See, that's the world. Christian love means I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to give you everything that I got. In um, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, you don't have to turn to it. I'll read it to save time. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, 
but with action and truth. And, and that's what God's calling you to. Sometimes it's not enough when somebody in church comes to you and says, I'm hurting, I'm wounded, or I'm in need. I don't have food. I don't know what to do. And you just say, okay, bless you. I hope everything goes well. I'll see you next week. Sometimes that's not enough. That's not the love of God. The love of God is action. I'm putting... I'm putting the love that God's flowing through me and I'm putting it into action and I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to sacrifice for you. And I'm not going to wound you with the words of my mouth. I'm not going to tear you apart. I'm not going to stick a knife in your back. And this goes not only to church. I'm going to read one more scripture. Isaiah chapter 58. Actually, I'll read two, but Larry gave me the high sign. He said, it's okay, right? Isaiah 58, starting in verse 6. But first, I want to lay the background to what's going on in in this chapter. The, The people of God were angry at him because they said, we've been fasting, which means they've gone without food. They've been praying. They've been doing all the right things. They've been going to church. They're giving, their, they're giving the money. They're more, even more than 10%. They would give 30%. And they said, still, God is not pleased with me. Still, the blessings are not coming. Still, the promises of God are not happening. And they were angry at God for that. And God told them, that's because I'm not pleased with your kind of religion, with your kind of fasting. So I'm going to read starting in verse 6. This is what God had to say to them. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. The yoke is the burdens that are on people to help them carry the burdens. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? In other words, God said, I'm not answering your prayers. I'm not blessing your worship. I'm not going to provide financially for you, even though you say you're doing the right things. But there's no love in you. You're able to see people, your own people in church, or even people out in the streets, and totally ignore all the need and all the poverty. Able to deal with people in church who are hurting. It says they have a yoke on their back. They're carrying burdens, and I'm not willing to help them. See, before I, got a, before I became a Christian, I had a, a, I had a whole different idea of what Christianity would be like. The picture I had in my mind of a Christian before I got saved was sort of this person who, who didn't care so much about their own needs, but they were always out to help, always giving, always serving, always blessing other people. And boy, did I get fooled when I got saved. As soon as I put on Christian TV, all I heard was one message after another of how I can get blessed, 
how I cannot have the key to unlock the door of my financial miracle. One sermon after another, and it's all about me, and I need the blessing of God. And all the people tell me that on TV, on the, in, the, in their messages, well, if you just give us $100, God is going to give you the desires of your heart. doesn't tell you anything about holiness or love or repentance. There's a screwed up message in the church. And that's, what, that's the main thing that impressed me on this trip to Oklahoma. More than the lady getting out of the wheelchair. Was that constant barrage of, of church being about me. It's about me getting blessed. Blessing comes from giving. You're blessed as you help someone else. As you give to someone else. I'm going to go back um, to verse 7, Isaiah 58, at the end. He said, The kind of fasting I have chosen is not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. You know, someone, this minister in Oklahoma actually told me, he says, I'm not the kind of minister who likes to go home to my family. I like to be in church. You know what I said? I said, One day... If your children get up and they start telling people, I don't want to serve the Lord because my father never cared about me because he was too busy. That he was always with his friends, always caring only about other people. If, that, if your child stands up and says that, it's not going to be worth the thousands of souls that you're winning around the world if you're losing your own flesh and blood. If you're not ministering to your own family, everything else is worthless. It tells us right here. That's the kind of fasting God wants. That's the kind of worship that God wants. We've been talking about worship for months and months. And God's saying here, this is the worship that I want. That you don't turn away from your own flesh and blood. That you know what's going to happen? If you're not there to, this is for some fathers here, I hear the Lord saying, that if you're not there to, with your children, the devil's going to have some other people who's going to pour into them. If you're not teaching your children, the devil's got plenty of people out there that's going to do it. That's why I, I, for years I lived in Queens, and the church that I went to was in the Bronx. And on Friday night, they had a program for the children. And I made sure I crossed that bridge every Friday night because I wanted my daughter to hear that message. There's so much influence out there. You need to be pouring into your own children, taking the time. And not just being, say, oh, I'm with my kids. And we go out somewhere and pay them no mind at all. That's not the kind of religion God wants. Or, or husbands and wives tearing each other apart. In verse 8 it says that if you'll do these things, if you'll show love, if you'll bless other people, including your own flesh and blood, it says then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. 
you will cry for help, and he will say, here I am. You want the glory of God? That's what we've been praying for today, even during the, the worship. We're believing for the glory of God to come. We want his presence. We want him to touch us. We want the miracles in our lives. It tells us right here. How are you going to get the glory? It's love. It's not only through singing. It's not only through dancing, even though we love those things. And those are true expressions of your heart towards God. But we're not going to have the glory that we're praying for unless we're willing to lay down our lives one for another. It means if you know someone else here is hurting, you can't just walk past them and say, Oh, I'll be praying for you. That, that's not the love that God desires. I have another verse here for all you husbands. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. It tells us right here, husbands, that if you're not treating your wife the way that you should, with love, and it doesn't qualify that. Oh, but if you really knew my wife, it, I don't see anything here. Somebody show me some in the Bible. Where it says, oh, but my wife, but you don't know my wife. I don't, I don't find that here. If you're not loving your wife the way that Jesus loves you, then your prayers are being hindered. There's a ceiling over your head. And you could ask God for the finances, the blessing, and everything else. And if, if you're mistreating your wife, it's not coming. I don't care, you can come here every Sunday, Wednesday, get prophetic words and everything else. Un unless you're loving your own family members, unless you're loving the people of God, it's not coming. God, God is putting a brass, He's made, the Bible says he makes the heavens as brass, and you're waiting for the miracle, and you're saying, God, you've got to do something. And God is saying, you know how you, I'm going to do something? You begin to love your children. You begin to love your wife. Wives, love your husbands. It's not a one-way thing. Love each other in the church. There's two kinds of gossipers. There's the person who speaks gossip, and then there's the person that listens to it. If you're listening to gossip about people, you're just as guilty as the person who's doing the gossiping. And um, I'm going to go back to Isaiah 58, verse 10. Um, no, actually, verse 9 again. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. Now, this is the part I want to get to. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. If there's anything I've seen in my years as a Christian, it's the pointing finger and, and the malicious talk. And we sit in judgment of people. Oh, you should see what they did. 
The Lord says we got to do away with that. We got to do away with the malicious talk. It's like if you you carrying in your in one hand you got a you have a bucket of water and in the other hand you have a bucket of gasoline and it's up to you what you're going to do when you find out something about someone or you hear gossip. You could either pour water on it and say I'm not listening to that. You want to be blessed by God when somebody comes to you and starts and starts trashing somebody, you say I'm not listening to that. You could pour the water or you could pour gasoline and say, oh yeah, you ever see how people get so excited? Like they're sitting around and somebody's about to say gossip and everyone starts shaking their shoulders for some. What's that about? I don't know. But they get all excited and they all start leaning in. Yeah, yeah, oh. The Bible says that gossip is like the most delicious food that goes deep down inside. There's something that feeds your flesh when you hear somebody being trashed. But the word says that God hates that. You know what the Bible says to do? That if you have something with someone, go to the person. <clears throat> that might be something unusual. I haven't never seen that happen too much, in, even in church. In my, Christ, in my years as a Christian or as a pastor, it's been very rare that I've seen where people are willing to go to someone else who has hurt them. Or they've heard some negative report and they're willing to go to that person and, and say, well, this is what I heard. And go with the intention of restoration. I believe a lot of ministers even that have fallen, and I'm not saying this in every case, but a lot of ministries that have fallen, maybe it wouldn't if people didn't just start gossiping, but instead they went to that person and said, maybe how can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? The Bible says that love covers over a multitude of sins, but instead we love to uncover the sins. We like to show everyone. We want to show it all. We want to parade it because it makes us feel good when we hear that someone else is in trouble. And the Lord says this shouldn't be. Not in the body of Christ. You know what Jesus said? There were people in the temple and they were putting down their money in the temple. Because a lot of people think, well, if I give my money, God, God I'm all right with God. You know that? You can't buy God's love. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough money to buy answered prayer, the favor of God in your life. And Jesus, Jesus told these people, they said, before you put your money at the altar and give it into the church, go back to those people who, you, who have something against you or you have unforgiveness against or bitterness and work it out with them. <clears throat> Otherwise, all you're giving is no good. Or anything else you're doing, it's worthless. It's all worthless if it's not in love. 
Like I said, last, I spent two weeks seeing God move and the glory of God come and miracles. But I was deeply grieved in my spirit with all the people speaking against each other and people ignoring their own families and people hurting their own children and her wives and husbands, wounding each other and then say, oh, but God understands because he knows how my wife is. He knows how my husband is. God does not understand. So this is what I want to do right now. That's why we save the hugs for now. Usually every week we have a time where people go around and give each other a hug. But that's what I want to do right now before and then we're going to have communion. But as you do that, Maybe you'll look at the people in a new way as you hug them, as a true brother and sister. Maybe, maybe even more than that, maybe there's someone here that's wounded you. Maybe it's your own family member, maybe a husband, a wife. And maybe you'll go to that person today and, say, and show them love. Or if you have someone here, even in this church, and you don't even speak to them, Oh, but you don't know what they did. Oh, I don't care what they did. It couldn't be any worse than what they did to Jesus. It's all about love. Everything else is nothing without the love. I don't care what happens. You could have the biggest building in the world. In the days of the temple, back in about three, 4,000 years ago, they had the biggest church that ever was in Jerusalem. And because there was no love, because people were hurting each other and not caring about each other, you know what God said? Oh, I wish that they would shut the doors of the temple rather than making a mockery out of my name because they were using each other. They were gossiping about each other. That's the basis of Christianity. That's the basis of being a Christian is love. The basis is not worship. It's not prophetic ministry, it's not miracles, it's not glory, it's love. And love starts one to one. I love you. Even if you hurt me, I have the love of God in me. And just as God has forgiven me, I forgive you. And maybe there's some of you here today, there's someone you need to forgive. And that's why I'm saving this to the end so you're not going to stand out or anything. No one's going to see you go across the church to someone. Just in the middle of everything, just go to someone who maybe you don't speak to anymore. Or someone that's hurt you, or someone you've hurt, and you need to ask forgiveness. Maybe it's a husband and wife, and you need to say, I'm sorry for what I said to you. So first I'm going to pray, then I'm going to ask you to just get out of your seat, and then we're going to have maybe a five hug minimum today and then we want to come back because we want to I want to end with communion so father I just thank you Lord God for the love that you have for us God you you gave us all that you got you 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 even offered your only son your only begotten son who you love you gave up everything you have so that you could have our love so I just ask right now that you would pour the love of God into every person here. 
I just release forgiveness. I release the true love of God into the hearts of the people. And Father, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm just going to ask you to get up. And I want you to really hug each other with the true love of God in you. And then we're going to come back. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.